Book Three, Chapter Three, of Toussaint L'Ouverture: A Biography and Autobiography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Toussaint L'Ouverture: A Biography and Autobiography, by John Relly Baird. Book Three. Chapter 3. Leclerc tries to rule by creating jealousy and division. Ill-treats the men of color. Disarms the blacks. An insurrection ensues and gains head until it rests from the violent hands of the general nearly all his possessions. Leclerc dies. Bonaparte resolves to send a new army to San Domingo. As the news of the deportation of Toussaint L'Ouverture spread abroad, secret and deep discontent began to prevail, which threatened disturbance, if not disaster. In vain, Leclerc tried to prevent these consequences of his own misdeeds by a slow, concealed tyranny. He created division among the black chiefs by insinuating into their violent natures rivalry, jealousy, and hatred. He set the ambition of one in opposition to the moderation of another. Now he brought into contrast this man's fidelity with that man's want of fidelity, mingling adroitly together praises and enticements, favors and disgrace, encouraging and rewarding mutual accusations. Special pains did he take to revive the old animosities between the blacks and the men of color, animosities which, in reality, were only a consequence of the difference in the servitude to which they were in common subject. As a result of this Machiavellian policy, many officers of black and of mixed blood were persecuted, imprisoned, or banished to a distance. Of this number was Rigaud, next to Toussaint the most renowned of all. He was arrested in the port of Saint-Marc, whither he had been sent as if to take a command. In his indignation, he threw his sword into the sea to prevent its being sullied by traitors. He was sent to France, and, curiously enough, was, as we have seen, cast into the prison which held Toussaint L'Ouverture. La Matinière, who had displayed the virtues of a champion of liberty behind the walls of Creta Pierrot, was massacred in an ambuscade. Thus was manifested the hatred of the colonists against men whom they could not endure to see in the enjoyment of freedom. That hatred was fostered by the consul and by his representative Leclerc. Of special consequence did the captain-general consider the disarming of the blacks, but the step was one of extreme difficulty. Men whose passions are excited and whose future is uncertain do not easily surrender their arms. Cajolery and mutual distrust were put into action. The result was that 30,000 muskets were collected and laid up in the common armory. But in the midst of the operation, discontent was displayed, menaces were uttered, sedition was fostered, risings took place. The government was compelled to employ vigor as well as adroitness. Troops were set in movement, blacks who were in subjection, were employed against others who were ripe for revolt. Some sullenly gave up their arms, others hid them, waiting their opportunity. 
ferocious bands were formed who practiced all kinds of atrocities. The disarming succeeded best in the South. In the West it was very partial. The colored population, distrustful and disquieted, especially since the deportation of Rigaud, betook themselves to the mountains. Then most unjust and injudicious severities were exercised. Suspicion sufficed for the infliction of death. The scaffolds were loaded with victims of both sexes, and of all ages. Several of the wives of the officers of the 7th Colonial Brigade were publicly executed. After capturing Bel Air, Dessalines slaughtered 300 blacks and men of color in the Vale of the Artibonite to avenge the death of some European soldiers massacred within the country under his command. Meanwhile, an impression had been obtaining prevalence that the disarming and other offensive measures were parts of a system intended to issue in the restoration of slavery. Some imprudent colonists, whom experience of evil had not taught anything but revenge, uttered in one of their assemblies the old maxim, no slavery, no colony. The alarm caused thereby was augmented by news that slavery had been restored in other French dependencies, and that even the slave trade was resumed. Under the growing fears and distrust, some applied to purchase their freedom. The request was refused by their former owners. We are then, said mothers of families, with tears in their eyes, we are then about to fall back into slavery. To prevent the calamity, the blacks made such preparation as they could. Circumstances were in their favor. A malady which had gone far to destroy the army and the fleet, the rainy season, which was at hand, not less baneful to the whites than favorable to the blacks, the asylum of the mountains, where their foes would pursue them almost in vain. Full of fear, yet full of courage, they spoke to each other words of exhortation. Do they expect to find slaves in us? Why did they not leave us at large in our forests? Was Africa, our native land, weary of us? Have our rivers been dried up? Do not our flocks, our fields, did not hunting and fishing suffice for our wants? We learned no other wants but at the price of our liberty. They have deceived us in our simplicity by poisoned gifts. Were not our feet accustomed, unshod, to walk over burning sands, and did not our uncovered heads brave the fires of the torrid zone? Our skin, given by nature to enable us to live near the sun, performed the office of garments fabricated by luxury. Was not the limpid wave of our fountains preferable to the liquors which cause brutal fury? To enjoy the sweet manifestations of friendship, the guileless smile of our children, the caresses of a mother who, during three years, nurtured us with her milk, to trouble neither our own lot nor the lot of others, to pass our life without fear and without desires as a river of a tranquil and uniform flow, such were the precious advantages of which we have been robbed by our enemies. While thus they inflamed each other by fancy pictures of their ancestral mode of life, they drew a too true and a very painful contrast in adverting to their actual condition. Here a man held forth his arm, mutilated by a barbarous monster. There another pointed to his leg, eaten into by the links of an iron chain. 
others drew attention to the scars left by the driver's thong women uncovered their breasts which showed traces of the branding iron the breasts which had suckled their master's children and then with what pride did they turn to the blessings of freedom heaven in its pity has given us a new country in this land of exile of grief and of shame shall it be torn from us soon the standard of revolt was raised at first the banner was unfurled by obscure men who occasioned little solicitude but civil wars are pregnant with great leaders in the mountains of san domingo there were always tribes of untamed africans who had thrown off the yoke of slavery at the head of one of these tribes was lamour de rance an adroit stern savage man half naked with epaulets tied by a cord for his only token of authority at home in the mountains he passed from one to the other with something of the ease of one of their own birds toussaint himself had in vain pursued him in those retreats whose proper inhabitants are wild beasts that chief acknowledged no other authority than that which nature gave in no way thinking or caring about monarchy or republicanism his tender of obedience to the government had been a matter of mere form his dress his manners his character his mode of fighting at the cape where he just showed himself were objects of curiosity and amusement with the french army a greater insult could not be given than to ask this savage warrior for his arms were they not the protectors of his life he avenged the insult by carrying fire and sword over the highlands in the vicinity of port-au-prince in the plain of leogan he reduced to ashes more than a hundred plantations he carried off the laborers and inflicted barbarous cruelties on the whites the revolt extended in the north as well as in the south and the west it broke out and spread devastation as reports of these insurrections got abroad at the cape and port-au-prince consternation increased news was eagerly sought after though almost always the source of fresh anxiety some reported that they had seen on fire the mountains which overhand port-au-prince others that lamour de rance had reduced to ashes the plantations of leogan this day brought intelligence that sans souci was in arms at valliere the next that noel had seized dondon and silla plaisance you have heard that macaya raises the country around port no but a band of insurgents is spreading terror in the island of tortu more lamentable still were the narratives which some had to give how their brothers their wives their children had been massacred with an incredible refinement of cruelty the general alarm was exaggerated by the colonists who forgetful of the share they had had in causing it and that but for them there would have been no conquest of the island no violation of oaths no intention of restoring slavery accused as is the custom of such men their destiny the government heaven every object but themselves the real sources of all these evils heaven then they said has not ceased to persecute us have we not suffered enough during ten years of exile and misery shall we always be driven into flight or be massacred by our ferocious slaves was there ever a similar succession of reverses and misfortunes 
are we not the most unfortunate of men our slaves are before our eyes kindling incendiary torches and twice have we seen our plantations and our towns burned to the ground why does not the government act with decision why leave us to certain and speedy destruction then they invoked the aid of the black chiefs who remained attached to their party and who replied to them only by a fierce silence or by dissimulation but always allowing themselves to be borne away by vengeance they surrounded the captain-general with their pernicious counsels and he instead of employing clemency and mildness made use only of arms and punishments in the cities scaffolds were raised which were bathed in the blood of the blacks they even executed women and children whose only crime was that they had brothers fathers or husbands among the revolters they were accused of corresponding with them the penalty of such intercourse was death port-au-prince in consternation at the ravages of la mort de rance became the special theatre of executions all suffered death with intrepidity calmness and resignation the more numerous the executions the more extensive were the desertions instead of terrifying they exasperated they fed the insurrection though they intended to suppress it while the scaffolds were crowded with victims leclerc applied to dessalines for assistance he went to the cape and renewed his protestations of fidelity and devotedness cruel as false the monster declared that he thirsted for the blood of the revolters in a moment when his indignation had gained the mastery and the agitation of his members manifested more rage than even his words the general-in-chief said to him in transport the troops which i expect from france will give me the power of striking a terrible blow there shall be shouted de salinet in fury a general earthquake a government that stimulates and employs such wretches condemns itself and forfeits its authority instead of carrying on the war honorably de salinet pretended to entertain feelings in favor of the revolt by this means it was that he entrapped general belair while Dessalines was subduing Mont Caos, Leclerc ordered Rochambeau to punish La Mort de Rance, but the troops who went in pursuit of him saw only vast fields of fire which covered his flight. When circumstances suggested, the barbarians sheltered themselves in the heart of precipitous mountains, which were to them fortifications stronger than any which the art of man ever constructed all that could be done was to oppose some limit to the ravages of the foe in the west and the south the frontiers of which two provinces he had laid waste at the same time the captain of the expedition seconded by christophe and Maurepas, employed all his efforts both to put down the sedition in the isle of tortue and to arrest the progress of the revolt in the north but sans souci was an african not less agile than la mort de rance he also covered his flight with deserts and flames he did not however fear to try actual combat twice he defeated the troops sent against him meanwhile the black generals still attached to the french preserved only a suspected fidelity and barely concealed their disquietude christophe afraid of being arrested like toussaint 
did not accept leclerc's invitation to a banquet until he had directed his troops to be in readiness for a sudden blow an officer who sat next to him at table took pleasure in filling his glass christophe suspecting an evil design turned to him in rage and said dost thou know thou little white thing that if i had drunk the wine which thou pourtest out for me i should have desired to drink thy blood and that of thy general these words caused great agitation among the guests leclerc reproached christophe with what he called toussaint's treason and commanded the officers of his guard to run to arms vain is it to call your soldiers the chief replied mine are under arms and with a single word i can make you a prisoner but as to my betraying you learn to know me i remain subject to you as i was to toussaint had he said to me hurl this island into the sea i would have done my best this is the way i obey or command the faith of oaths and treaties security of person sacred rights of hospitality have not all been violated by your cruel policy prison banishment death are the rewards of those whose blood flows for our liberty no longer are you around me friends soldiers heroes of our mountains and thou toussaint the pride of our race the terror of our enemies thou whose genius led us from slavery to liberty thou whose hand adorned peace with lovely virtues thou whose glory fills the world they have put thee in irons like the vilest criminal but what is there in common between you captain general and toussaint your name came amongst us only as his who turned parricidal arms against the representatives of your country it is this crime doubtless that the consul wished to reward in giving you the government of san domingo these were bold words to be spoken at the governor's table the guests looked astounded leclerc alarmed in his inmost soul affected composure in truth the condition of the colony was lamentable the fever continued its wasting career the government every day lost power while its enemies increased suspicion and alarm opened on every hand this state of things finds a good description in the words of an eyewitness thus does general pamphile de la croix speak i was invited to the heights of the cape by general boudet whom the general-in-chief was sending to france to acquaint the government with the true condition of the island at the house of general boudet i found generals clairvaux and christophe i asked them the cause of the progress of the insurrection the latter replied you are a european and you are young you have fought merely in the armies of the mother country you consequently cannot have any prejudices regarding slavery i will therefore speak to you with frankness the revolt grows because distrust is at its height if you had our skin you would not perhaps be so confiding as myself who am entrusting my only son ferdinand to general boudet that he may be educated in france i make no account of the brigands who have given the signal for the insurrection the danger lies not there the danger is in the general opinion of the blacks those of san domingo are frightened because they know the decree of the thirtieth florial 
which maintained slavery and the slave trade in the colonies restored to france by the treaty of amiens they are alarmed at seeing the first consul re-establish the old system in those colonies they are afraid lest the indiscreet talk that is heard here on all sides should find its way to france and suggest to the government the idea of depriving the blacks of san domingo of their liberty in order to pique his self-love i asked him how it was that he who had so much influence in the south should not have found troops sufficiently devoted to put sans souci into his hands his reply struck me if sans souci was a soldier i might get hold of him but he is a mean and cruel brigand who has no scruple to kill whomsoever he suspects he knows when to fly and he knows how to cover his flight with the deserts which he leaves behind him he goes about the affair better than we did at the time of your disembarkation if then instead of fighting our system of resistance had consisted in flight and in well alarming the blacks you would never have been able to overtake us so said old toussaint no one believed him we possessed arms the pride of making use of them was our ruin these new insurgents follow the system of toussaint if they persist in it we shall have difficulty to reduce them general christophe urged me not to return that evening to fort dauphin saying that the revolters having attacked his posts in the plain were probably informed of my journey i thanked him but urging that the danger would be greater to-morrow i said that i should return as soon as i had seen the general-in-chief general leclerc acquainted me with his melancholy situation congratulating himself in seeing none but bandits among the new chiefs of the insurrection and added that in the feeble state of the forces of the mother country he was glad to find the generals of color still faithful to france on my way to saint michel i stopped at general christophe's who hearing discharges of firearms in the mountains repeated his request that i would not that evening press on to fort dauphin i persisted in my intention he then ordered six of his guides to accompany me bear in mind he said to them repeatedly that you are escorting a general whom i esteem and love we set out of a sudden the guides who led the way with torches stopped before a detachment of thirty blacks who had concealed themselves in a ditch forthwith one heard the words halt stop halt shots succeeded the commanding officer meanwhile recognized in don diego polanco who was with me an old friend we were saved but i had seen reason to believe that the chiefs of the colonial troops and the colored generals had communications with the insurgents too frequently did the europeans speak of the reinforcements captured from france for the blacks not to perceive the need in which we stood of them the news of the events which had taken place at guadalupe the maintenance of slavery at martinique indiscreet talk and insinuations from foreigners fomented distrust in the minds of the black chiefs the words which the first consul had addressed to the abbe grigois at an official presentation at the institute were repeated in the colony from what is taking place in san domingo i wish the friends of the blacks throughout europe had their heads covered with mourning crape the words struck men's imaginations the minds of the blacks and of the men of color 
were at the height of disquietude when the frigate Cocard entered the roads, having on board blacks sent from Guadalupe. Many of them, in the night, jumped into the sea, swam to shore, and by their reports made the alarm still greater. At the same time, some men of color, also from Guadalupe, brought to San Domingo information that the slave trade in that island comprehended their caste. Here were dark presages of what might be expected in San Domingo. The fidelity of the chiefs of the colonial troops was from that hour irrevocably shaken. General Clairvaux, who had recently condemned Charles Belair to death, first threw off the mask by deserting. The evening before, being at Madame Leclerc's, he had said in a fit of passion, I was free formerly, only to new circumstances do I owe it, that I have raised up my reviled color. But if I fancied that here the restoration of slavery would ever be thought of, that instant I would become a brigand. Judge, if you can, of the position of Captain General Leclerc. He knew the danger. He could not prevent it. The crews were not sufficient for the service of the ships. The garrison of the Cape did not comprise more than two hundred Europeans. There were in it fifteen hundred colonial soldiers. On the night of the 13th, 14th of September, 1802, Petion, that coolly audacious chief, threw all into confusion at the Cape, spiked the guns, and disarmed the European cannoneers. Footnote. Memoir. Volume 2, 224, Sequential. End of footnote. Two days after, Clairvaux and Petion made an attack on the Cape, but failed to capture it. So well were they received by Brigadier Anouil that, thinking they were opposed by the fresh troops expected from France, they drew off their forces, which, if pressed forward, must have been overwhelming, so superior were they in number to the defenders of the colonial metropolis. At the moment of the attack, Leclerc, as a measure of precaution, sent on board vessels in the harbor whose crews had been greatly reduced by the fever, detachments of the colonial soldiers who had remained at the Cape. The sailors, panic-struck, cried out, Let us kill those who may kill us. They fell on the black soldiers and ruthlessly drowned of them more than a thousand. Then Christophe, already prepared for defection, and lately standing, to use his phrase, as a benevolent spectator, in other words, watching the right moment, joined Clairvaux. A few days after, Dessalines threw himself into opposition. The insurrection became general. The entire population was the enemy of France. The mother, the daughter, the child, as well as the father and the brother, all were soldiers. The woods were their camps, dens their dwellings, the mountains their ramparts. They found their food in the spontaneous products of the earth. They transmuted into arms the instruments of agriculture. Stones hurled from the rocks served them instead of artillery. They threw their whole life into assaults, combats, and ambuscades. A new future was before them. Death or liberty again became their rallying cry. Everywhere the insurgents repulsed and laid waste the enemies of their freedom. They captured Port Dupe, Gunave, Fort Dauphine. In the evacuation of the last place, General de la Croix 
was obliged in his extremity to destroy powder and provisions to the value of two millions of francs escaping by sea to the cape he lost in the short voyage sixty-six sick persons who were thrown into the sea the first words which leclerc addressed to him on landing them were general what have you done you bring a colored population four times more numerous than your europeans you do not know then that they are tigers serpents that you bear in your bosom leclerc felt that the colony was escaping out of his hands of all his conquests there remained only in the north the cape and mole saint nicholas and in the west port-au-prince and saint marc but for the colonists who then appeared with arms in their hands all was over at the prospect the captain-general was greatly alarmed he looked everywhere for succor in his perplexity he sent to an enemy's camp to beg the aid of christophe offering him honors and riches Christophe contented himself with replying that he was rich and honored enough in possessing liberty himself and in securing the liberty of his color. Shortly, Christophe put himself at the head of the insurgents and proceeded to attack the Cape. Then was Leclerc on the land side, shut up within the walls of the capital. Scarcely did he possess vessels sufficient for flight such was the condition of haiti when in the first of november eighteen o two the captain-general worn down by fatigue and pains and overwhelmed with vexation disappointment and despair breathed his last as the final result of a sickness which had long threatened to prove fatal a little before his death he expressed his regret for the errors committed by himself in the government regret now utterly vain errors which had proved disastrous to all the great interests of the colony nor less disastrous to france was this iniquitous expedition of four and thirty thousand warriors twenty-four thousand had perished and eight thousand were in the hospitals scarcely more than two thousand were fit for service amid this thick darkness and surrounded by these vengeful penalties the captain-general passed to a tribunal before which diversities of skin are unknown. Leclerc wanted neither sense nor manners. He possessed an easy eloquence which threw light on the discussions of his council chamber. But he was little acquainted with the human heart, and was unable to interpret the peculiar character of Africans. In war he was active, uncertain, and presumptuous. Blindly obedient to the wishes of the first consul, he made peace consist of a complication of troubles, divisions, treachery, and violence. By these deplorable crimes he was reduced to the state of impotence which has been described. As he had none of the qualities of a great commander, a funeral oration pronounced in his honor before a few soldiers, who had escaped from the fever and the sword, was a mere harmonious assemblage of idle words. Pauline, Leclerc's wife, affected the marks of extraordinary mourning, but she betrayed appearances by choosing for her companion one of the most handsome men of the army, and returned to her ordinary habits of luxury, pleasure, and voluptuousness. After having had her husband's body embalmed, she crossed the sea to France. When her vessel appeared at Marseilles, the inhabitants, at the sight of the consul's sister, a widow, so young, in tears, manifested their sorrow by decorating the port and the streets with crape and funeral garlands 
the tokens of sadness had been commanded but they had some reality for many of them had seen her grow up to adolescence within their walls in mournful procession she entered paris brothers sisters and wives then shed true tears at the remembrance of sons brothers and husbands whom they had lost in the expedition pauline herself let some tears fall when she saw her brother who embraced her with joy and tenderness then she spoke to him eloquently of san domingo as a land of fire blood and desolation the consul heard her in silence and said here is all that remains of that fine army the body of a brother-in-law of a general my right arm a handful of dust all has perished all will perish fatal conquest cursed land perfidious colonists a wretched slave in revolt these are the causes of so many evils he concealed from himself for a moment that he had sent away so many brave warriors that they might not throw their bayonets across the road to the imperial throne whither he was urged by his impetuous desires soon his mind arose from that dejection and in the immensity of the future which his genius embraced he regarded the calamities of san domingo only as an unlucky but useful incident had he not thrown into prison toussaint the chief and the soul of the revolt the fever had nearly consumed its fuel rochambeau whose character he knew would terrify the island into obedience those wandering bands of insurgents without a head without union divided among themselves would desert the mountains to enjoy the pleasures of the cities besides did he not possess the two heads of san domingo the south and the spanish territory had he no more soldiers no more ships let twenty thousand men fly over the ocean thus bonaparte prepared for the loss of a second army blind ambition reckless of its means reckless of the misery it occasions meanwhile the first consul deposited leclerc's corpse amid much pomp in the pantheon and erected statues to his memory the greater the calamities of haiti the more he endeavored to efface the recollection of them by show and pomp and by the aid of those arts which ought to transmit to posterity the memory only of truly great men end of book three chapter three recording by james k white chula vista